Okay, we're ready to begin. Special class on Kitniyos. This evening we're going to discuss one of the uh, many Jewish customs that are that are prevalent during the holiday of Passover. And that custom is going to be Kitniyos. Uh, Kitniyos is translated, I believe, if I'm not making a mistake, as small things. So we will discuss in detail that uh, what, what this custom is. Um, shortly put, or as everybody knows, Kitnios is the Chumrah, it is the stringency that was taken uh, upon themselves with Jews of Europe. Jews of Europe, Ashkenazim, uh, took upon themselves not to eat on Pesach legumes. However, Jews of Spain, Northern Europe, and the Middle East have no such custom. The uh, legumes, included with legumes, are also seeds. Any seeds that don't develop, that when you plant them and they grow, they only grow seeds just like them. But if they grow, something grows around the seeds, such as like a tomato or a cucumber, that doesn't go into the category of, uh, of, uh, of what we call kidneyos. So this is, a, this is an old custom, which I'd like to discuss this evening. And before we begin, I'd like to preface with an introduction to uh, put into context our discussion. There's three categories of, um, there are three categories of requirement, or let's say a mitzvah, or, or, or things that we perform, and those categories are, or at least succinctly put, uh, general categories. There's the Torah mitzvah, mitzvah which is required by Torah law. There is a, a Dirabana mitzvah, there is a, a rabbinical mitzvah, Mitzvah is required by the, by the rabbis, perhaps it was enacted by the men of the great assembly. And then there is minig. There is custom. Custom that, that was taken upon later, after the closure of the Talmud, by different communities. So, <clears throat> I'd like to just talk about customs for a minute. Or maybe a few minutes. Or maybe ten minutes. We'll see how long it takes. Uh, just as an introduction, before we actually talk about uh, all the parameters and the essence of the kidneys custom which is prevalent in America and for all Ashkenazi Jews. Okay. So there is, I was searching around to see somebody who talks about the reasoning behind why Jewish people adhere to customs. And I, wanted, I found two, basically two different places. One place I found is in a book called Mini Yisrael Torah, somebody who recently put together a book explaining all the different customs of, of the Jewish people have according to the codes that are in the Shulchan Aruch, that are in the Court of Law. And in his introduction, he explains why he wrote the book. And uh, just in summary, he basically says like this. He asks a question. His question that he asks is, um, it's been already 2,000 years, almost 2,000, it's been about 2,000 years since the destruction of the Temple. question is, through all the histories that the Jewish people have gone through, all the vicissitudes and different trials and tribulations and different uh, persecutions, and the countries that we moved to, through and, and, and suffered, all the tests that we have had as Jews, how is it that we were able to survive? That's this question. How is it possible to go, through, to go through, much, through so much and be able to survive? So he answers, he says, that the reason we're able to survive is because we, are, we adhere to customs. We adhere to minhagim. Now, why, what is so special about the nature of a minig, a nature of a custom that allows the Jewish people to survive more than anything else. He explains as follows. He says that a lot of the things that we do are based upon Jewish law. 
It's based upon the analysis of the conclusion of the Mishnah, the Talmud, the uh, Rishonim, the first rabbis, the Achronim, the, the Halachic decisors, and what comes in the court of law and responds. So a lot of the movements which are, uh, are deniers of traditional Jewish faith, the way that they begin, or the way that they, 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 they start to their movements is they attack the law. And the way they attack the Jewish law. So the way they attack the Jewish law is perhaps maybe they write articles or responses or give uh, public addresses about the Jewish law. How? It's really not the way that the rabbi said it. Right? So the rabbi said that playing music is prohibited on Shabbos. But we say it's okay to play music on Shabbos for the following reasons. Because if you take a look at, at uh, this halacha, this Jewish law, or that Jewish law, so then you'll come to the conclusion, you'll see that playing music is permissible on Shabbos. Now, of course, there are going to be people who look at this, uh, uh, at, at such critique, or at such thesis, or uh, perhaps such publications or addresses, and say, huh, look, this makes sense, so, right? Uh, this rabbi says like that, the other rabbi says like this, so maybe we we'll follow the other rabbi. There's basis for it in Jewish law, there's always been dispute, I'll follow what my rabbi says. And uh, when, when the Jewish law is being challenged, it's very difficult to, uh, to, to combat, because this one has the opinion, the other one has an opinion. However, if somebody has a custom, if somebody has a minig, for example, I have a minig that I don't play music on Shabbos. That's my minig, although it happens to be an explicit Jewish law, but I have, I have a minig, I have a custom that I don't do such a thing. So what are you going to do? How are you going to convince me out of it? You're going to tell me that the law says otherwise? You're going to write for me a, uh, a responsa that the law is otherwise? Other, that's not the way my father did it. That's not the way my mother did it. That's not the way my grandparents did it. I do what my grandparents do. That's my minig. That's my custom. So it's very difficult for apostasy to seep in into those people who adhere to minhagim, to adhere to the customs of their, of their parents and their grandparents uh, and, and, and their family. So there, this is the way, he says, that we've been able to survive through history. That whenever there's come a challenge, there's always been a group of people, Jewish people or traditional, traditional Jews, who not only adhere to Torah law, but also adhere to meaning to adhere to custom. And it's very difficult to, uh, to, 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 to make those people waver because if you, there's no way to challenge them. <coughs> you challenge them, they say, that's not the way my father did it. That's how he answers the question. You hear, Marshall, it's very important. Even if we don't know the reason for something, even if we don't know the reason for something, that we adhere to... Um, even if we don't know the reason for something, that we are here to that custom. That's what he says. So he says, with this, we can explain the first of the Ten Commandments. The first of the Aseris of the Ebrot. It says the Minig Yisrael Torah. What does the first of the Ten Commandments say? Hey, you know, Anoich Hashem Elokech, I am Hashem your God, that Asher, Hashem Elokech, I took you out of the land of Egypt. So I'm your Hashem your God, who has taken you out of the land of Egypt. So, what does Hashem could say? He could say, I am Hashem your God, that I have created the universe. I am Hashem your God, that has given you the Torah at Mount Sinai. But what does it say? It says, I am Hashem your God, Hashem Tzitzich and that I take you out of the land of Egypt. It almost sounds that the crowning glory of God, the crowning glory you know, of, of, of the Rebosh, the most important thing to Hashem is the exodus from Egypt. But we know that that's not the truth. We know it's not the truth. We know that the exodus of Egypt is only one step towards the building of the Jewish people. The ultimate 
is Har Sinai, is the, revel- is the divine revelation at Mount Sinai, and the giving of the Torah. As we mentioned many times before, the Ramban explains in his introduction to Parsha Shuma, and his introduction to uh, the book of Exodus, that the reason why the book of Exodus is called the Sefer Agula, it's called the book of redemption, is because it is the redemption of the Jewish people from servitude. Asks the Ramban, if that's the case, then the, then we should, the, the book should have ended with Parshas Bishalach, right after they left the splitting of the Red Sea, then that should be the end of the book, because that's when they were redeemed from the Egyptians. So the Ramban explains, no, the ultimate redemption is, is when God resides amongst the Jewish people, and that's the building of the temple. The rebuilding of the temple is when God resides, that's why it ends, with the, 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 the book of, uh, of Shemot ends with building of the, of the building of the temple, of the tabernacle of the Mishkan. But the temple, in, the temple itself, says Ramban, is a miniature Har Sinai. It's the experience of my Sinai, as we explained along before. That God is amongst us, there's a divine relationship, a revelation, and the giving of the Torah. So why is it that Hashem says, I am Hashem your God, in the Ten Commandments, Asher Hotisichem Hetzan, that I took you out of the land of Egypt. It should say, I am Hashem that your God that has given you the Torah at Mount Sinai. That I'm giving you the Torah at Mount Sinai. Doesn't make sense. So he answers, he says like this, he says, why would we taking out of, out of Mitzrayim? Why were we taking out of Mitzrayim? So the Medrash says, we all know the Medrash, because the Jewish people didn't change their language, their speech, and their mode of dress. The Jewish, what is, is that a halakha? Is that a Jewish law? And you can't wear a green shirt, or a white shirt, or a jacket, or this, that? No, it's a custom. It's a minig. That's why we, the, the, the Jewish people retain their character as Jews because they're adherents to customs. They're also living apart. What? Living apart also. But the, what gave them the strength and the ability to live apart is their adherence to customs. So that's why they were taken out of the land of Egypt because they retained their Jewish character. They were able to survive the onslaught of, of the Egyptian servitude through the adherence to customs. That's what he says. So the reason why, so therefore, it's good that Hashem can give the Torah at Mount Sinai, but who says they're going to keep it 3,000 years later? How are you going to keep it 3,000 years later? The answer is that if you stay steadfast to customs, if you do what my father did, what my mother did, what my grandparents did, then you can perpetuate the Torah, you can move it through history. Therefore, it's true that the main Thing, the, the main relationship, the epitome of the relationship with God and the Jewish people is the giving of the Torah. But the glue that, that allows the Torah to be kept is the adherence to custom. And therefore Hashem says, Hashem I am Hashem your God. That I took you out of the land of Egypt. You know why I'm Hashem your God. You know why I'm able to give you the Torah at, our, at, today at Mount Sinai. And that you'll be able to keep it out through the entire Golas. Through the entire exile, because I shared this because I took you out of the way of Egypt. Hashem, the, the, the adherence to custom is what will give you the strength to be able to keep this Torah. That's what Pesach is all about, he says. And that's what allows the Jewish people to travel through history and to survive the onslaught of all the, all the different apostasies. And that's why he says Pesach is focused on the children.
Why Pesach focus on the children? The Igarta Levimcha Bayom Ahu, you should tell your children on that day. Kinegir Abba Torah through the four children, the four sons the Torah speaks. The right, all the different sons, the, the, the righteous, the wise. I'm sorry, the wise, the Chacham, the Russia, the Shein, the Elisha, the one who's on the the Tom, the plane, all the children. You're supposed to talk to the children, explain to them what happened. Why is such a focus on the children? Because the children, because we have to, because since the Pesach is the holiday of tradition, tradition is passed through the children. Therefore, on Pesach, we focus on the children. Yeah. And that's why he says, that's why he says, there is such an, that's why he says, Minig is so important. That's why custom is so important. Because keeping customs, keeping Minhagim, is what gives us the strength to be able to survive as Jews. Okay? So he says, so, so, <clears throat> he gives us the strength, that's why custom is so important. And that's why on Pesach specifically, he says, we go Meshigah with customs. Everybody has all kinds of different customs. Some people don't eat garlic, don't eat dried fruit, all different things, kidneys, legumes, all different types of customs people have. Somebody falls on the floor, they throw it in the garbage. There are different, different, different arguments. The people are more stringent around Pesach time than they are any other time during the year. Why is that? Because Pesach is about that. Pesach is about customs. That's why planting is very, it's very important. Even though a custom, even though a minig, does not necessarily have the status of a rabbinical law. It does not necessarily have the status of a Torah law. But a minig has the status of something which allows the Jewish people to survive through history. Something that we all keep, it's something that we do because our grandparents said. And therefore, if we encounter a minig that perhaps maybe seems funny to us, perhaps maybe it's something that we are, uh, seem strange and we never heard of before, we shouldn't just discount it just like that. We shouldn't laugh at it, make fun of the person that keeps it. Unless we have a specific reason that maybe it contradicts Jewish law. That discussion also takes place. The, the Ramah, I think in uh, Simon, uh, we, don't, we don't have a Mishnah Brewery here, but the, the Ramah says in Simon Tafresh, we don't have a, we don't have a Mishnah Brewery. And... We don't have the Orcha. Oh, we do. I think the Ramor says in Simon Tafri's study, in the laws of Purim, Rabbi Moshe Isla says, like this. Um, he talks about a custom that we all know about on Purim. Um, just for a second. He talks about a custom that we all know about on Purim. That custom is, as he says, some people have the custom to write down, um, here it is, in 690, number 17, that our Moses in the laws of Florence is like this. Some people have the custom that they make a picture of Haman on rocks or, uh, or, or um, wood. Did you have that when you were young uh, or then? Not the Jericho. All right. Don't make fun of the gun. Some people have that gun. Or to write the name of Haman. I have some friends that they used to write the name of Haman on the bottom of their shoes. On Purim. And to strike them one against the other. Why? 
The reason is because the, the Torah says, erase Amalek's name. So he erased Amalek's name by uh, writing his name or, or his picture of him on these things and knocking it together. Vishem Rishon Yerkov, and then the name of the evil should be, should be, uh, should rot. We also have the custom. From this came the custom. We strike, we make noise when they read the Megillah and say Haman's name. That minute you have them. That minute you have. So they make uh, Haman's name. To be, because that comes from the uh, part of the erasing of, uh, of, of Haman. The Beis HaKnes and the Shul, this is what the Abba Drum says. Now says the Ramo. The aim of Atos Shul Minig, one should not uh, eradicate any custom. Only the goal of it, they laugh at it. Because it was not, it was not set, set aside for no reason. Right, and that's why. That's the reason why. What? I'm sorry? If there are so many different customs, um, then what's the glue? If your custom is to write uh, the name on your shoe, um, and mine isn't, what, what ties us together? What ties us together is Jews. What makes yeah. us Jews? Well, our Judaism is not only based upon customs, right? The Torah. The Torah. I mean, there's basic, basic laws that everybody keeps regardless of the customs. And those are, according to the Rambam in his introduction, that the, once the Talmud was closed, everything that is written in the Talmud is binding upon all Jews. And whatever is in the Talmud, what keeps us together is the oral and the written law. What are you saying? What is the origin of reading the... Uh on Torah, we read the Megillah. How did that come about? It's a, it's a Gemara. It's a din in the Gemara to read the Megillah. How did it come about? That's a separate discussion. I believe maybe that discussion takes place on page 14a. Read the Megillah. But we'll leave that for now. If I'm not, I'm, I might be mistaken though. I'm not sure. Okay. It's not a, it's not a minig. It's a din. It's a din drabana. Yeah. Uh, some say maybe the whole holidays. Okay, that's a separate discussion. Fine. So um, here the Be'er and the uh, the Be'er Halacha, the Chavetz Chaim, discuss on whether or not if a custom contradicts Jewish law, whether we should keep that or not. There are many books that discuss it, many respondents, it's not a discussion for now, such as the Yoyer Oizen of the, of the Chidor, Rabbi Chaim David Ozulai, um, discusses it, the Peliyot, it's the Stei Chemed, different uh, respondents, the Chassam Sofer, on whether or not what we do with a custom that contradicts Jewish law and which custom should be kept or not. But generally speaking, we're very serious when it comes to minhagim, when it comes to custom. That's reason why, number one, why everybody is so stringent on Pesach with different types of customs. Sorry? I can't think of one custom that contradicts you. All right. Good. Then you're all set. <laughs> really, I mean, you don't want to and yet it's just being very alien. You know, right. There is one custom that I can think of at the top of my head, and that is sitting in the sukkah last day, the second last day of sukkah. Because that's that's against um, some people don't sit in the sukkah, even though the Gemara in sukkah says explicitly that you should sit in the sukkah during that day. That's a, that's a custom that that uh, um, contradicts Jewish law, and everybody's brother wrote something about it, including uh, our. Uh, the, the, the book that we're recording this evening, uh, Mini Yisrael Torah. What do you want to say, Dan? Uh, I know that Rabbi Hashanah has discussed with Jackie. There are certain things that it's hard to have that are really may contradict, but he was saying that, you know, that that's the custom is with a, a, a collar or some sort of thing on Friday night. 
Right. So that that's a whole discussion thing. Every case is different. Pages and pages upon this. Which customs? Yeah, which customs? No. Okay. So um, that's reason number one. Why it's important to keep uh, why it's important to keep customs according to the meaning of Sotor. Reason number two is found actually he's quoting it, but it's found in the book by Rabbi Shimon Ayla Halachos of Pesach. On page uh, 54 and 55, here he quotes the, the, the Berhetev and the Sharetzion, and he says as follows. He says, because the Jewish people are a nation of Kedoshim, of holy people, and Tzadikim and righteous people, and the Arizal, Rabbi Yitzhak Luria said, that one who is saved from violating even one or even the most minute Easter of Hametz on Pesach is assured that the entire year he will not sin. That's what the Arizal says. Individuals have accepted upon themselves additional chumros, chumros, additional stringencies for Pesach. The Arizal said that if a person is saved even from a minor infraction on Pesach, that carries with it a promise not to sin the entire year. Therefore, on Pesach we find that the custom uh, idea or the custom keeping it goes completely out of control, off the uh, off the meters. You know what I mean? Um, off the Chart. off the charts. Thank you very much. Off the charts. What do you call that earthquake uh, measuring? Richter scale. Richter. Off the Richter scale. <laughs> that's how that's how it goes on Pesach because the Rizal said that if you if you're very careful. If you're very careful, then you're not gonna you're not gonna come to sin. He quotes the Shari Tshuva that says that if a person keeps a custom l'shem shemayim for the sake of heaven, then um, he goes under the category of the verse that says v'amech kulon tzadikim in your nation are all righteous people. So these are the two. The, the, this is the the, the reason the, uh, that is important to keep customs in general and on Pesach specifically because of the Arizal. That's what Rabbi Shimon Ida said. So the custom that we're going to talk about this evening is, uh, as we mentioned, kidneys, legumes, which are accepted by Jews of Europe to keep on themselves. So I'd like to talk about the origin of this custom, how it is derived, where it comes from, and perhaps maybe some practical applications according to the major cautious uh, organizations today. Um, and since we're all Ashkenaz, or just in case we're, you know, maybe some of us were Svartim in our past life, I brought the uh, Svartic guide also to uh, not keeping kidneys. Okay, so we begin with the Gemara in Tractate Pesach on page 35a. The Gemara says like this, it's a Mishnah. Mishnah These are the things with which one can fulfill their obligation. That is, one can fulfill the mitzvah of eating masa on Pesach. What are those things? The chitim with wheat, the sa'arim with um, barley, the kusmin with spelt, the shifon with rye, and with oats. As one can make, um, one can make masa out of any one of those five groups. One goes all that. The Torah says one should eat matza. That's the mitzvah on Pesach. And with any one of those five grains, one can fulfill them the, 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 their mitzvah of eating matzah. It's preferable, the uh, Mishnah Brura, in uh, the, the Chavitz Chaim in his commentary on Mishnah Brura, in, 
explaining the, Ram, the, the Ramar's comment in the name of the Mariel in number 453, number one says that it's preferable to use wheat, to have wheat matzahs, because it is, says the Mishnah, because we value wheat more than any one of those five grains. And therefore it qualifies as beautifying the mitzvah, like having a, a beautiful menorah, a beautiful ethic, which we discussed that there's a mitzvah to beautify a mitzvah, this is like it says in Tractate Chavis 133b, and I think Tractate Chavis 133b, right. Okay, that's what he says, there's a mitzvah to beautify the mitzvah. So to beautify the mitzvah, we have wheat matzos. But any one of those five grains are, are kosher. So the Gemara asks, honey in, or is vidokhin lo? That implies that these five yes, rice and millet not. You can't have a matzo made out of rice flour or, or millet flour because the Mishnah said these five. So these five, not the other. Right then here. So now the Gemara says, Minanimili, how do I know? How do I know that it's these five, not the others? Marshall, you want to stop me if you have a question. I'm learning. All right. Keep talking. Okay, I'm talking. 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 I'm so the Gemara says, what's the juxtaposition between the two statements? That I should not eat chametz, but I should eat matzah during those seven days. What's the juxtaposition between chametz and matzah? What's the juxtaposition between leaven and matzah? Says the Gemara. The juxtaposition is anything that can become leaven, anything that can rise as dough, Anything that can become chametz, out of that you can make matzah. That's the judgment. Why did the Torah say, eat matzah, don't have chametz, or don't have chametz, eat matzah? Why did the Torah say that? To tell you that you can only have matzah from something that becomes chametz. Anything that doesn't become chametz, you cannot have matzah. So therefore, there the Torah is excluding those things that don't become chametz. What are those things? Rice and millet. Because rice and millet cannot become chametz. Ah, you see that rice flour, when you put water to whatever, and you let it sit, it rises. So the Gemara, no, that's not rising, that's sirchon, that's rotting. Only those five, on a, on, a, on a chemical level, only those five things rise. In 18 minutes, they rise. The other stuff doesn't rise. It rises, maybe it blows up, it looks like it's rising, but it's not really. Boiling. That's what the Gemara says. The Gemara quotes an opinion from Biyachan ben Nuri. He says that rice is included in the matzah, but the majority opinion states that that, that rice is not is, is excluded. So you see clearly from this that the only thing that the Torah prohibits is the five grains. The five grains is what one is not allowed to eat on Pesach, and the matzah can only be made from those five grains. Everything else is permissible to eat, no matter how it's made. And that means rice. That means millet. That means legumes, that means any, uh, any seeds, anything. It's permitted. The only thing the Torah prohibited to eat on Pesach is chametz. That wasn't, the, 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 anything that came to within 18 minutes that was mixed together with uh, flour and water, etc. and rose. Everything else is permitted, there's no, no problem. And that's the Rambam, okay? That's what the Gemara says, page 35a, 
in uh, Tractate Tzachim. The Rambam, in the laws of Hametz and Matzah, chapter 5, number 1, says this, he codifies this as law according to the majority opinion. He says it's only these five grains. Avala Kitnios, however, Kitnios, which is the name of our custom, Kigoin, Orez, Vedochen, Opolim, Adoshim, rice, millet, uh, beans, and lentils, the cure to them, anything similar to this. There's no chametz by them at all. Even if you take rice flour and you knead it with water, and you put it in hot water, and you cover it with clothing or some kind of uh, cloth, and then it blows, it blows up, it rises just like dough does. Like dough, like, like dough that rises also. You're allowed to eat that. Why? This is not Hamas, this is Sirchon, this is Rari. That's what the Rambam says. And therefore, according to the Rambam, Kidneyos, which are legumes, according to Torah law and according to Rabbinical law, are 100% permissible to consume and eat on Pesach. Correct? You hear? So therefore, as far as so the reason why I'm emphasizing this is because I want to make it clear. I want to make it clear that this custom that we're talking about, which we'll soon see the, uh, the rationale behind it, this custom that we're talking about is the source of this custom is not Torah law. As far as the Torah law is concerned, the strict Torah law and the rabbinical law, it is permissible according to the laws of, of, the, of, the, of the Gemara and the Rambam. Um, there, there is no prohibition at all in the consumption of these items. Strictly on a custom level, for Ashkenazic Jews, there is an issue. We shall soon see. Maybe there are some, uh, maybe other reasons, but they themselves are permissible to eat. Okay? That's the, the Rambam and the Gemara. Here, Dan, any questions? Uh, how do you define uh, uh, customs versus um, uh, tradition? I don't know. What, I don't know what tradition uh, Tradition is a general term. Tradition is a general term. It can mean anything. It could mean customs too. It's an English word. Kabbalah, the word Kabbalah in, in Hebrew can mean, this is in Moshe Kibo term is Sinai. Moshe received the Torah from Sinai. So the word Kabbalah means receive. So it can mean the oral law. It can mean the written law. What? It could mean the same thing. So, yeah, when we say Jewish tradition, it depends on who we're talking to. We're talking to people who are not Jewish or people who are not affiliated. We say tradition, we mean the whole gamut of Judaism. When we talk to people who are learning, like such as ourselves, or attending a class, and we have to be specific about the terminology, so we say, we make distinctions between tradition and uh, rabbinical law and Torah law, so that we understand what we're talking about and where, where, the, the severity of the, the infraction that's involved or the, the reward that is, uh, that is involved for keeping these things. Uh, like them, if it's not against her, but did the, you said it's just custom, custom, the rabbis that ruled on that. We're going to get to the rabbis that ruled on that. Okay. But so far, uh, where we're holding, there's no prohibition at all. Okay? So, the, um, in the codification of Jewish law in the aforementioned code, the Mechaber, who is the uh, Rabbi Yosef Karo, learns he paskins, he decides the halacha like, he decides the halacha like the, 
like the tour, which we do, which we didn't mention, but the but the tour also codifies and goes after the Rambam and the Gemara. That only these five grains are prohibited, and everything else is permissible. That's how he decides the law. He said, and there and uh, and the the Svarim, which we said again are in Spanish, Northern Europe, Jews follow follow. Whatever the, the, the codification of the law is, according to the Machab, according to the author of the Shulchan Arach, Rabbi Yosef Karo, and therefore, the halacha, for as far as they are concerned, is, is that all of these things are permissible for them to eat. Okay? Fine. There are more, however. Rabbi Moshe Isilis says like this, he says, There are those that say that it's prohibited. Vaminik be'ashkenaz, our custom in Ashkenaz is, Lahachmir, we are stringent. The Ain Lashanos, we don't change. We are the Ain Lashanos, we don't change. One should not change that custom. We are stringent in these things. That's what he says. Okay? Now, the Ashkenazim took upon themselves this custom. What's the reason for it? So this, the reasoning for it is mentioned in, 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 the, in the tour. It's mentioned in. Um, in, uh, in the Smak, which is quoted in the Beis Yosef, and it's also mentioned here in the Mishnah Brewer number 6, and he says like this, what's the reason for this custom? Says the Mishnah Brewer, the reason for this custom is, the reason is, is because sometimes when you have um, these small things, like such as rice, such as rice or beans, or lentils, or whatever it is, sometimes these things, uh, wheat, kernels, are mixed together with them in, in, in with the rice. The Yeshulavar Yofer, it's not possible to clean it well. The Asi Lidei and it's going to come to, let's say now you're going to take the rice and mix in his wheat kernels, and you're going to cook it together, it's going to come to, uh, it's going to come to rice, it's going to become chametz. Or you wash them, you bake them, you cook them. That's, that's reason number one. V'oid, shekarapam tochnim ha'orez v'shamini kitniyos, there's, that's reason number one. Reason number two is, is sometimes what you do with rice is you, uh, you grind it up until it's a flour. Or the beans too. Some type of beans or lentils where you grind it up until it's a flour. And sometimes you make bread out of rice or bread type of uh, product. So the people who are uneducated, not us, they're not going to be able to make a distinction between rice flour and wheat flour. Between this bread and that bread, you mean dogger. And what are they going to do? They'll say that wheat flour is also permissible. You see, they ate the other flour. They can eat this flour too. They're not going to make me able to make the distinction. And they want to Therefore, therefore, the rabbis were stringent to say that it's prohibited to pass every single day, the whole tashal in any food, and even to take rice whole and to cook it, or beans whole and to cook it, everything they prohibited, not only flour, but the whole things too. Because we shouldn't, we're not going to make any distinctions. So basically we have two concerns. We have two concerns. Basically there are two concerns as... Uh, Rabbi Tzipas Frank, who was the rabbi of Yerushalayim in, in uh, volume 2 of his discussions on Pesach, number 63, I think it is. Number 2, he says that, um, 
he says that there are basically two concerns. One concern is that we're afraid that we're not going to be able to clean the thing well. We're not going to be able to clean it well. And concern number two is, concern number two is that uh, people are not going to be able to make the distinction and they'll say that the same way the rice flour is permissible, so too wheat flour is permissible too. Okay? The uh, Ramah continues on and explains that this custom that the Ashkenazic Jews took upon themselves only applies to eating. Everything else is permissible. We don't eat kidneyos, but you're allowed to own it, so that you don't have to sell it with your chametz. You're allowed to own it. Uh, you're allowed to use it for uh, anything else besides eating. Okay, if it falls into food and there's a majority of of uh, of of, not, uh, of uh, kosher food, then it nullifies the product as long as you can't identify it anymore. All these things. The only thing that is prohibited is by the only thing that is prohibited is the actual eating itself. And kidneys is permissible even if, if for a sick person or or for medicine if they need it. For example, somebody who is uh, who uh, can't have any other food and they need to have rice because well, I mean, what else are they going to eat? They're highly allergic to everything else. Then it's permissible for them to eat rice also. We have a custom that we have separate vessels for this, for uh, rice pot. You have a rice pot. You have to, if somebody needs to eat rice, but uh, it's permissible. This custom of kidneys is only the prohibition is only as far as eating is concerned. Okay, fine. So now the Mishnah Brewer explains that there are certain. I'm sorry, the Ramah and the Mishnah Brewer explain that there are certain items which are not did not go into the into kidneyos kizera into the kidneyos into the um, into this custom, but they are we, we have a custom not to eat them anyway. Those things are. That's what I'm trying to leave with that. Oh, oh yeah, it's okay. I mean, you, if you need to go, I'll take. No, right. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. That's good for me because I, I I can use the air. Uh, one of those things are akliza. I don't know what that is. Anis, or anis, and a a n i s s e. Coriander. Anis. Coriander and caraway. These things, according to the Mishnah Berurah, and the Ramah, in this place are not kidneyos. They are not kidneyos. They, they, they were not part of the, the decree, part of the custom. However, they're like a nerve. However, we, one should be stringent to refrain from eating them, from eating these things. Um, they should refrain from eating them because they are very hard to clean and they could have flour or, or, or kernels of wheat mixed into them. However, the OU, the Orthodox Union, lists on their list of, 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 of kidneys that these things are permissible and added to that list is also, which could be the translation of the terminology that the Ramon uses, added to that list could be um, fe, um, cumin, caraway, and I forget what, and fennel. Those things are not kidneys and if you clean them well, then you're allowed to eat them according to the Orthodox Union. Okay? Fine. Now, before we get to the list, I just want to discuss a uh, dispute between Rabbi Moshe Feinstein and uh, the Mikroi the Kodesh Rabbi um, Tzipa Frank. Rabbi Moshe Feinstein was asked uh, the, the, the following question. He was asked whether peanuts are included in the custom, the Ashkenazi custom of 
of kidneys. Okay, so it's in volume. It's in in volume Orachai number three, number sixty-three. He was asked whether one is can eat peanuts because it's not mentioned in any of the books or whether one can or cannot eat peanuts. Okay, so the um, he gave the following answer. He says. I just want to make sure that we clearly defined what, let's just summarize before we get into this discussion. We clearly defined what, what this custom is. According to the law of the, of, the, of the Torah, and according to the Mishnah, and the Gemara, the only thing that's prohibited on Pesach is the five grains. Everything else is permissible. And that's the way it's codified by the Rambam, the Torah, and Rabbi Yosef Karo. The Ashkenazim, according to the Ramon, have a custom that they don't eat uh, legumes, which are called kidneys which we take upon ourselves, um, they have that custom not to eat those things for two reasons. Number one is because sometimes wheat will be mixed in with them together and you might come to cook it on Pesach. And number two is because people will confuse uh, the beans together with the wheat and they may come to eat the wheat itself. That's why we have that custom. So therefore we, all, we strictly adhere to that custom. The only, and what is for sure included in that custom is uh, millet and millet and rice. What's excluded from that custom is uh, fennel and uh, caraway and cumin and anise and these, these type of things. Those are excluded from the custom, but we still don't eat them because it's hard to clean them, but according to the Orthodox Union, you can eat them as long as you clean them well. That's what we said so far. Now the question becomes, what about all the other items which are not listed by the post, which are not listed by the halakhic decisors? Are they included in kidneys or not? Specifically, the one that we're talking about is peanuts, according to Rabbi Moshe Feinstein. So Rabbi Moshe Feinstein says that what is the pshat, what is the explanation, what is the reasoning behind a custom versus a rabbinical decree or versus a rabbinical uh, enactment. He says the difference is like this. He says that a custom is not uh, a rabbinical decree. A rabbinical decree says like this. Something which you don't have use on Shabbos for, don't use it. For example, mukta. Mukta is a rabbinical thing. He doesn't give this example, but I'm giving this example. Therefore, uh, if somebody is not, is not using a, a pen, for example, since, since a pen is used to, uh, to, to do things which one is not allowed to do on Shabbos, which is right, therefore a pen is mukta according to the rabbinical decree. But that is a principle. The rabbis didn't necessarily say that a pen is prohibited. They just said that those things that you might come to uh, perform uh, things that are prohibited on Shabbos are not, uh, are, not to be, uh, are not to be moved on Shabbos. So we apply to that. We say pens, flashlights, whatever it may be. Cars. We cannot move that. It's, it's such things on Shabbos. A rabbinical decree is a premise which is applied to many different scenarios. A custom, says Rav Moshe, is not a premise at all. A custom is uh, that, in, in his words, the rabbis accustomed the nation or the people to be stringent in these specific things. That's what a custom is. A custom is not a principle. A custom is, I don't do this specific thing. It's a, a prat. It's a specific. It's not a general principle. A rabbinic decree or a Torah law could be a general principle, which is applied to many different situations. But a custom is a specific scenario. What am I not eating? Rice. What am I not eating? Millet. Did I say I'm not eating peanuts? No. 
I didn't say I'm not eating peanuts. Therefore, peanuts are not included. Even though peanuts, you might be able to apply the same reasoning as to why I'm not eating rice. But since the peanuts were not included, therefore, I'm not including them in my custom. Therefore, says Ramosha, peanuts are permissible. It happens to be that all the major cautious organizations the OU, the Stockade, the Hofke, and the, uh, the CRC, the Chicago Rabbinical Council, all say that the way we shouldn't eat peanuts, and therefore they all list them as kidneys on their list. But according to Emotion Feinstein, he says that some people have the custom to eat peanuts, and some people do because of Emotion Feinstein, they eat peanuts. That's what Emotion Feinstein says, we eat potatoes. You can make potato flour potatoes. So why isn't potatoes prohibited? He says because at the time that they made this custom, there were no potatoes. They didn't have potatoes. So they make the custom. They make the custom. It's permissible. By the way, the Chayadam says that potatoes are also included in the decree of kidney. Still, one is not allowed to eat potatoes. Yeah, according to his opinion, we don't we don't pass in that way. All the major cautious organizations say that potatoes are permissible. He is a uh, a, a lone opinion in this case, as far as potatoes are, co- are concerned. The, I found in the book called the Piske Chuvos on on these laws. They quote the Radamska Rebbe. The Radamska Rebbe says that a person on Pesach has to give Shevach Bahadur. He has to give thanks to the Rabbana Shalom. For what? That they didn't have potatoes at the time of, of the, of the, of the Gaonim. Because if they would have potatoes, we'd have nothing to eat. Koch <laughs> Hashem, they didn't have potatoes, so they didn't prohibit the potatoes. But that's what our custom is. The custom is not based upon a principle. Our custom is based on, this is what I do. This is what I don't do. That's what Moshe's position. Therefore, what Moshe says that according to his opinion, peanuts are permissible. Okay, the, um, the, uh, Rabbi Tzipas Frank takes the opposite position. He seems to say he was asked about pistachios, but not clear whether it's pistachios or not, because he says that the bracha that you make on pistachios are the blessing that one makes on pistachios barpi adama. They come from the ground, but on the pistachios we have today, we make a barpi eights. So I'm not sure which pistachios he's talking about. But the discussion is, he says, are they included in? in by the way, pistachios are not kidneyos, and one is allowed to eat pistachios on Pesach because we say barpi eights. It's a fruit. And on a, on a fruit, we don't it cannot be included in in in, in kidneys. The um, so there he says, let's apply the reasoning. Can we apply the reasoning to the pistachios? Does it does it get collected like wheat? Does it uh, can you mix uh, does, does does wheat get mixed it together with it or not? So he treats a custom as a principle. That the custom was these are the principles, and anything that applies to this principle, you're you're not allowed. That's a dispute between Rav Moshe and Rabbi Rabbi Tzvi Okay? Fine. So there we have it. According to the Ashkenazim, we don't eat kidneys. What's on the kidneys list? That's a question. According to the Spartan, they do eat kidneys. So they don't have anything on their list. Except that they do have exceptions, though. Like, for example, um, I have this, uh, the guy, the kosher pastor of a guy from the Georgia Shore Orthodox Rabbinate, which is a Spartan uh, community. Spartan community is by... Uh, so they have a list, and on their entry for rice, for example, they say that rice, you know, you, you, it depends what kind of rice you want to eat. They say that enriched rice, one is not allowed to purchase. Not because we're not allowed to eat rice, but because enriched rice is enriched with uh, vitamins that perhaps maybe have been uh, tampered with, uh, with hummus, with uh, leaven, which is one is not allowed to eat because it's hummus. For, uh, on their entry for oil, they say, Svadim, whose custom it is to use soybeans and corn, may use any certified kosher for the year round-use brand of corn, canola, soybean oils, such as Mazola Wesson, 
but Ashkenazim, you can't use soybean oil and, uh, and, and corn, all these things, because these are all kidneys. Therefore, we can't eat it. Here they say in their interest, since all major conscious organizations in the USA are geared to Ashkenazim, which is true, um, customs they super Ashkenazim customs they supervise only non-legume dairy-based oils. So therefore, any oils which are certified by the OU, which says OUP, for example, right, or Cuff KP or Star KP, these oils are all don't are, are, are can be consumed by Ashkenazim because they don't have kidneys, because an American cautious uh, organization, even though it might be an international agency, will not certify an oil that has kidneys in it, unless they write on the label specifically, only for Svartan. But that doesn't, if it's simple, then, then if it just says the, the symbol with a P, then it's permissible. Okay, that is what the, um, that's what it says. Now, as far as the list is concerned, so the list both on, uh, um, on, on, on all the websites that you can find, uh, the Star K and the OU and the, and the CRC, of what is considered to be kidney or not. So here are some examples. Uh, this is from the Star K list. The Star K says that anise is uh, one should stay away from, but it's not kidney as we said already because it's hard to clean. The OU says that one is, if you can clean it well, then you can, you can eat that. And the CRC says it's considered kidney as one is not allowed to eat it. Ascorbic acid which comes from, uh, from, from, from corn oil, I think, or from uh, aspartame, beans, bean sprouts, are not permissible. BHA in corn oil and BHT in corn oil are also not permissible. That is because it comes from corn. And if you find nuts, if you buy nuts, and they're one of the, on the ingredients on, on, on nuts is uh, BHT or BHA, one is not allowed to purchase them on Pesach because they are kidneys. They are, they are in kidneys, and also if they're dry roasted, it's also a problem. Buckwheat, according to the Mishnah Brewer, is also considered kidney. It's calcium ascorbate, canola oil, rapeseed. Everybody agrees with that. Caraway seeds. Caraway seeds are not kidneys, as we said before, but um, one has to clean them very well, according to the OU, and according to the CRC, they can eat them. Chickpeas, citric acid, which is a derivative of corn syrup. One is not allowed to eat it, and also, even if one is smart, he wants you not to eat citric acid, because... It might be comets. It might have comets in it in the way that it is treated. So therefore, this why if one wants to buy oranges, for example, and citric acid, and then you can't buy it because unless it's certified for that, because you don't know how the citric acid was made. Confectionary sugar. Confectionary sugar. That could be possibly comets, and therefore nobody can eat it. Coriander is not kidney oil, but also it has the same application as kidney oil because it's hard to clean. Cumin. We already said that, dextrose, emulsifiers, fennel, fenugreek, flavors, maybe hummus, glucose, comes from cornstarch and corn syrup, and therefore it is, it is kidney oil. Um, green beans, guar gum, HVP, I'm not sure what that is, HVP, initials, okay, isolated soy protein, what? Isomerized syrup. Kasha, which is also the same thing as buckwheat. All these things are kidneys. Lecithin. Lecithin, I, I, I heard in the class, is used to uh, uh, mix together oil and water, because uh, oil and water don't mix. Lecithin can come from soy, and therefore one is not allowed to eat it. So therefore, uh, mayonnaise, for example, needs uh, a hexer. It needs to be certified kosher by, uh, for Passover, because it might be made, uh, might have lecithin in it. 
to uh, to bind the things together. Okay, multidection, millet, MSG, possibly could be chametz, mustard flour. Even the Sephardic Jews don't eat mustard, according to the JS, uh, JSOR, because mustard, even though it's permissible to seed, and it's permissible, according to the Sephardic, but they, they, they cannot eat it because it, is, um, because it is mixed with alcohol, and alcohol with vinegar, and vinegar can be produced, it can be uh, uh, grain-based, and therefore they don't eat mustard either. Neutral sweet, peanuts, which mentioned peanuts, Peas, poppy seeds, rice, sesame seeds. Sodium erythorbate, sorbitan, sorbitol, soybean, stabilizers, starch, stabilizers, string beans, sunflower seeds, tofu, corn, and vitamin C. All of these things are under the list of kithios. So, and the list is ever expanding. There's other things that expand the list on different other sites. Um... Who knows? Okay, there's one last thing before we... Oh, we're out of time. Anyway, so this is the custom of kidneys, basically. I have a question. Yeah. How does the word hummus actually translate into English? Hummus? Yeah. I don't know. Leaven. Rising. Something that rose. Okay, there's one other item called quinoa, but we're out of time, so we'll... The CRC says that it's permissible. Quinoa is permissible. The OU... I think that the star case is permissible, I'm not 100% sure. The OU uh, cautions very much against it because they say that it's very hard to clean it from wheat in the way that it is cleaned. That's what it says in the OU guide. I'll read you what it says in the OU guide about quinoa and we'll, and we'll conclude with that. Additionally, while quinoa is not one of the five grains that can create hummus, and quinoa is not grown in the same vicinity as the grains mentioned above, the processing of quinoa is generally done at the same location where they process wheat and wheat flour. It is highly doubtful that the mills are effectively clean between grains. The concern of wheat flour, particles finding their way into the kidney flour, would be a very serious one. So therefore, the OU listed as possible kidneys and what you not eat it. But the CRC says it's okay. So there are some people that say it is okay. Some people say don't tell it's not okay. Ask your local Orthodox rabbi. I, for myself, personally, at the moment, it eat uh, quinoa. Okay, so with this we conclude. Have a good Shabbos. Thank you.